We're so glad to have you worshiping with us today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Pastor Megan, and I'm the Pastor of Administration here at Visalia NAS. Once again, just as a reminder, we're currently in our series titled Healthy and Whole, and we've been talking about how to create kingdom habits. We've looked at different habits and practices and how they can draw us closer to God and enable us to carry out His mission in the world. So before we start, let's once again read our series verse together. Even at home, please read it out loud with us. Luke 10, 27. The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So today our spiritual discipline is simplicity. When we were first going over preaching assignments, I was excited to get this one. I thought it seemed like a fun one to do. And then as time went on, I got more and more nervous. Simplicity, what is it? And what if the way I define it is different than the way other people think of it? What does it really look like in our life? How do we do it? There's an old shaker song called Simple Gifts. Tis a gift to be simple, is a gift to be free. And if you have a child in your home that is learning or has learned a musical instrument, chances are at some point you have heard that song wafting through your house, maybe with a wrong note here or there. But simplicity is the discipline of uncomplicating and untangling our lives so that we can focus on what really matters. So we've been talking about spiritual disciplines and how they can help us to be healthy and whole. Because spiritual disciplines help us to think less about maintaining control and, we, and offering our agenda to God for a stamp of approval. So many times we go to God and we say, God, this is what I want. Now please do it. Please make it happen. But instead, through things like prayer, reading scripture, loving our neighbors, we're able to lay that agenda aside and open ourselves in attentiveness to God. And that's part of what simplicity is. It's saying, I give up my own agenda so that I can instead discern what God's will is, what his mission is for this world. And whenever we um, simplify our lives, we no longer have to go to God for this stamp of approval. We don't have to say, God, please bless these hundred things I've involved in. Please give me that promotion or position. Please bless me with this or that possession. We no longer go to God for a stamp of approval, and we start going to him for our marching orders. Instead of seeking God's blessing for what we want to do, we start wanting to do what God wants us to do. So it's no secret that we are surrounded by a lot of noise. We live in a world that tells us what we want and when we want it and what we need and that we need it right now. Spiritual practices help us to filter through that noise and simplicity helps us to filter through that noise. So your ability to drown out that extra noise will all depend on where your focus is. Now I'm sure you guys will all be very shocked by this, 
but I am not a very athletic person. I played a ton of sports as a kid, and looking back, I actually feel really bad for my parents. They spent years driving me back and forth to practices, to games, mostly to watch me sit on the bench. Um, some sports were better, softball, volleyball, not too bad. Other sports like basketball, I was that kid, if they made a basket, the whole room was cheering. But the real problem I had is that I'm not competitive. I mean, I am about some things, but for some reason, it does not spill over to sports. I'm the kind of kid that was like, yes, I made a basket and that was good enough, even if we lost. Or yes, we did our best, even if we lost. I'm the kind of person that if you're truly competitive, you probably don't want me on your team. You can just ask my husband. He never wants me on his team. But what amazes me, especially with pro athletes, is the way that you can drown out the noise to hear the voice of your coach, to hear the voice that you need to hear. Even just from little kid sports, I could probably recognize Greg Cruz's voice anywhere. He coached our group of girls for years. And um, an athlete usually, even when the tension is high, even when the crowd is roaring, can hear the voice of their coach out of the crowd. Why is that? It's because we can more easily hear the voices that we listen to the most. An athlete is trained to listen to the voice and direction of their coach, and they hear the voices that they practice listening to. The same goes for our spiritual life. The voice we listen to the most, the one we train ourselves to listen to, is the one that's gonna come through the loudest. So when we practice simplicity, this is one way that we can train ourselves to listen to a certain voice, the voice of God. And we learn to soften or to tune out the other voices. And we learn to listen to the voice that really matters. As I was seeking scripture, you know, what does scripture have to say about simplicity? I came across this Psalm, it's Psalm 131. And it's a song for the pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. It says this, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself, like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. Now, when I first read this passage, I was a little confused. You see, less than a year ago, I personally was going through the weaning process with my daughter, and I thought, weaning is not a time of contentment. But David says, I have calmed and quieted like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. That means the process of weaning is over, and that is when the contentment comes. So as a woman, as a mom, I have some life experiences that don't normally get shared from the pulpit, but my guess is that there would be quite a few of you listening to this that have gone through the weaning process, whether it's weaning from the bottle or weaning from nursing. And that's a two-part process, right? You wean from the means of provision and then you wean from the milk itself. Some of you may have been a supporter, encourager, maybe even a tear dryer during that experience. But the best way to describe it is it's uncomfortable. It's a time of great change, a time where 
the safety and security of what has always been is slowly taken away. But then once it's done, what a relief. It's a season with newfound independence for everyone in that family. The child begins to understand and trust that even though what they've always relied on is gone, their caregiver is still gonna provide for them and take care of them and make sure that they have what they need. Sometimes you have to go through a season of discontentment or discomfort in order to get to that deeper contentment and trust. And that's how it is with us. Once we get weaned from the things of this world, we can begin to trust that our caregiver will provide what we need. It's an uncomfortable process. It does not feel great, but it brings us to a new place of trust and relationship with God. You see, when I stop relying on myself, my means, and my avenues of fulfillment, I can instead hand that over to God. Paul shares a little bit about this with us in Philippians 4. We talked very briefly about Philippians 4 last week as Paul urged his brothers and sisters to be full of joy in the Lord. So later in that very same chapter, Paul is thanking them for his concern for them. In verses 11 through 14, he says this, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, whether with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So that verse, Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's one of the most taken out of context verses in the entire Bible. Too often we use it to mean, I can do everything I want because Christ will give me strength. We so often think that this verse has to do with us gaining something instead of letting go. But when you read the whole passage, you see that Paul's saying, I can do everything, including learning to be content including learning to be satisfied with what I have. That's the everything he can do with Christ who gives him strength. And I want you to notice a word that Paul uses multiple times. He says, I learned. Learning is knowledge acquired through study, experience, or being taught. It's a very intentional action. Even when experience is our teacher, we have to allow ourselves to be changed. And Paul says over and over again, I have learned, I have learned. You see, simplicity must be sought. It only comes from the Lord, and it comes from discipline. It doesn't just magically appear. Our lives are not just automatically ordered by simplicity. It must be intentionally cultivated. So how do we cultivate it? When I think of simplicity, there's a name that I think of, and her name is Marie Kondo. Now, she's an organizing consultant. She wrote the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, and it became a phenomenon, really popular. She got a show on Netflix. You've probably heard of her. Um, and I'm just gonna be really honest with you. If you were to go over to our apartment today, or any other day, you would know without a doubt that I have not read her book. I've not watched her TV show, um, 
but a lot of people have heard of her and are familiar with her methods. So she has the KonMari method, and it's a method of simplifying and organizing your home by getting rid of items that do not spark joy in your life. She says, keep only the things that speak to your heart and discard the rest. You thank it for its service, and then you let it go. So Marie Kondo, she has these six basic rules for tidying up, and here they are. One, commit yourself to tidying up. Two, imagine your ideal lifestyle. Three, finish discarding first. Four, tidy by category, not location. Five, follow the right order. And six, ask yourself if it sparks joy. So today, we're gonna learn a little bit from Marie Kondo, except instead of just trying to simplify our home, we're going to use similar principles to help us to simplify our lives. And what areas do we simplify? Yes, we can absolutely simplify our possessions. That's what her method addresses, um, and for some of us, that is an area that we really need to simplify. We need to recognize our excess and our waste and our attachments. But there are other areas we can simplify as well. We can simplify how we spend our time. We can simplify our mind and our thought patterns, our emotions, our ambitions, and expectations, and our relationships. And I just want to assure you that simplifying does not mean settling. In fact, it means the opposite. It means allowing yourself the openness and the freedom to focus on what really matters. So today, we're gonna have our own six basic rules of simplicity. The first one is this, commit yourself to simplicity. Deciding to do it is half the battle because it does take work. It does require time and effort, but make the decision that it's worth it. I think sometimes we confuse ourselves with the belief that in order to be fulfilled, my life has to be full. My kids need to do eight million activities. I have to be a part of this group and that group I need to hold myself to those unrealistic expectations I see in the media. And not all of those things are bad, right? God has given us so many gifts and passions. It's okay to use them and engage in them. I'm not saying you have to quit everything you're involved in. But I am saying we suffer a lot from this thing called the fear of missing out. We're so afraid of missing out that we stop ourselves from creating these healthy boundaries and saying no. And sometimes we fill so that we don't have to feel. We use the busyness and craziness of the world as a distraction to avoid. We don't want to have the time to sit and down and think about where our life is headed. What is it contributing to? Instead of confronting things head on, we let the noise drown us in this false sense of meaningfulness. How many things do we do just because we've always done them? How many things do we do because we're afraid of the change if we let it go? How many things do we do because our friends do them or say we should do them or the world tells us we should do them or that we need them? How many of, our, of us keep ourselves so busy because we know the minute we slow down, we'll really have to ask ourselves, what is important? What am I doing with my life? Am I on track? So the first step is to commit yourself. Commit yourself to simplicity. 
Take a step back, evaluate your life. And instead of holding it up to our own agendas, hold it up to every, instead of holding it to the world, everything the world says we need, instead hold it up to God's direction. So the second principle is this, imagine God's kingdom, right? So her principle was imagine your ideal lifestyle. For, but for us as Christians, we want to imagine God's kingdom. Living simply really changes the way you live your life. So what does that look like? If you're cleaning your house, the goal is easy to define. I want a simplified and organized home. So how can we imagine God's kingdom? Examine scripture to determine what God has called us to. Think about what your world would look like if you sought first the kingdom of God. Think about it concretely. What is my role in God's kingdom? What does that look like? So for me, when I ask that question, there are certain things I know. I know part of my role is to preach and teach the word, to disciple my family. There are some people when they ask that question, it means counseling, providing for people's relational needs. There are some people who say, my role is to be generous or to open up my home. As Christians, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what would that really look like? And what are you willing to do to get the world one step closer? Trust me when I say, when we release our own agendas and our grip on all these things we use to fulfill us, your life will not be boring. It will not suddenly be empty. Living out your kingdom come, your will be done is not boring. We want to untangle and we want to uncomplicate, but it's because following the path of Christ is not easy. You're gonna need that extra space and room in your life because loving people is hard. It's messy, it's complicated. So we must practice this simplicity in our life because what God has called us to is enough. Imagine God using you to help usher his kingdom into the world and set that as the end goal in mind. The third principle is this, finish discarding first. Simplicity means letting go. It's loosening our attachment to owning and having. And when we loosen that attachment, it brings freedom and generosity. So you can um, loosen the attachment to having and owning things, people, experiences, titles. I'm the worst about that. I like having nice things, I really do, but that's not what drives me. Some people define themselves off of their relationships with others and that's what drives them. If I were to be really vulnerable here for a minute, the thing that complicates and tangles my own personal life, the thing I have an attachment to owning and having is accomplishments. So I'm a perfectionist. We all have those things that we try to fill with and that's mine. It's just my personality. I always wanna reach that goal. I wanna earn the title. I wanna um, get the certificate. I wanna get an A plus. Um, and I wanna have that plaque on my wall. But simplicity involves the art of letting go. So I'm a mom to a toddler. And so the phrase let it go happens very often in our house. Kennedy absolutely loves the Frozen movies. Um, she'll ask for them. She'll say Anna if she wants to watch the first Frozen, and she'll say two if she wants to watch the second one. So we say and sing Let It Go a lot in our house. 
But as a mom of a toddler, we also say let it go a lot as a direction, right? So Kennedy's trying to help me clean out the dishwasher, but she wants to grab the knives. And I have to say, Kennedy, let it go. Sometimes Kennedy wants to run around with a pencil in her hand and I have to say, Kennedy, let it go. You have to let go of that pencil before you can run around. She always wants to take her favorite stuffed animals into the bathtub. We have to say, Kennedy, let it go. Let go of your kitty cat before you get in the bathtub. Or sometimes she'll try to go to the car and her hands will just be full of her little people. But we want her to hold our hand as we're in the parking lot. So we have to say, Kennedy, let them go, put them down. We need you to hold our hand. And as old as it gets to say that all of the time, we keep doing it because we know that it's for her own safety and well-being. And it just makes me wonder how often God is whispering that to us. Let it go. That person you're chasing that relationship with, they aren't my best for you. And even if they're great, they aren't me. They won't fulfill you. Let them go. Put their place in your life in proper perspective. That possession, it's just stuff. It's all God's anyway. He's saying, let it go. It won't be enough. That position, I didn't make a way for it. That title, it looks nice. Good job. I'm so proud of you. But it's not all that I have for you. It alone will not fulfill you. Let it go. So in order to simplify, we must finish discarding first. And that means throw it completely away. Don't just put it on a shelf or in a tote. I'm terrible about that. If you've ever watched um, the, the TV show Friends, I'm a total Monica. Tyler and I, we joke all the time about how we're Monica and Chandler. And her, her apartment is very neat and tidy. She definitely did not have a toddler at home. Um, and she's very particular. That's where I'm like her, I'm very particular. But there's this one episode where they find this closet. And the closet is completely full. Super cluttered, terrible, messy, like shoved in, shut the door so things don't fall out. And you see, things may look neat on the surface, but the reality is if you open up the wrong door, the mess is just gonna spring out everywhere. When it comes to simplifying your life, the things that you need to let go, truly let them go. Don't just set them on a shelf saying, maybe I'll need that later. Maybe I'll come back to that. Don't just stuff them in a closet. That's where clutter comes from in a house and that's where clutter comes from in our lives. And don't just put it in storage. Personally, I'm so bad about that. I'll put things in storage and just ignore the fact that I haven't needed it for five years. And doesn't that just speak to our inability to simplify? So throw it out. Whatever it is, discard it. And this isn't just possessions. This is things that take up unnecessary time. The pursuit of temporary pleasures, relationships that will not last. Whatever it is, truly let it go. The fourth principle is simplify by category. Simplify your life by category. In other words, it's okay to not bite off more than you can chew. There are three things we tend to pursue. People, possessions, and positions. Not sure which one drives you? Ask yourself, what things are you envious of? 
someone's nice car and house. Maybe you try to fill with possessions. If I just had blank, then I would be happy. Are you envious of other people's relationships? It's good to seek healthy and fulfilling relationships, but sometimes we expect other people to fill a hole in our life that they were never meant to fill. Are you envious of other people's titles, accomplishments, positions, their power and authority? Those three things, people, possessions, and positions, are the things that we try to pursue the most. So maybe a good starting point is to just choose one. I'm gonna be intentional about just simplifying this one area of my life and start there. So when it comes to tidying a home, Marie Kondo suggests gathering all of one item first. So if you're doing clothes, she would say, go get every single piece of clothing in your entire house and take it and put it in one place, every single piece. And when you do that, you realize the sheer enormous amount of clothes that you have, right? You realize how much excess you have and maybe how poorly you've been treating your possessions. So whatever it is, take it and gather it all up. Meditate on it. Maybe even make a literal list. Okay, these are the people, possessions, or positions that motivate me. So for me, personally, what I would do is I would make a list of the titles and descriptors that I want to fit me. Some would be really good and worth keeping, right? I want to be a good mom. I want to be a Christ follower. But once we're really honest, maybe if we listed out all those things that we think or want to fulfill us, some of them aren't necessary. The pressure to have Pinterest-worthy decorations. The pressure to have the most profitable company in town, no matter the cost. The pressure to want everyone to like you. Maybe when we gather together all the things that motivate us, the things we try to use to fulfill us, maybe there's some things on that list that we can let go. The fifth principle is follow the right order. So when it comes to tidying your home, that means starting with easier items like clothes, right? And you leave sentimental things for photos, like photos for last. Because if you start out going through your photos, you're gonna spend three hours looking at all your pictures and you're not gonna get anywhere. So what I think she's trying to say there is, it's okay to practice, right? Simplicity is a discipline. And like all disciplines, they take practice. Some of us need to get ourselves in the habit. Some of us need to practice saying no. So practice saying no to smaller things and then work up saying no to bigger things. Maybe you say no to the evening activity or you say no to impulse buying something at the store so that you work up that discipline to say no to a bigger ticket item. Say no so that you can create healthy boundaries in your relationships. And the last principle is this. Ask yourself if it gives God glory. For Marie Kondo, she would say, take all your things and ask yourself if it sparks joy. But as followers of Christ, we want to examine our lives every avenue and say, does this give God glory? You see, practicing simplicity means not just deciding what to discard, but also what to keep. What makes my life richer? What helps me to live out the love of Jesus Christ? What is worthwhile? 
If there isn't an avenue for it to give God glory, then thank it for its service and let it go. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And starting in verse 19, he says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. You see, Jesus knew that we didn't want, we don't really want, or need all of the things and experiences that we think we do. What we really need is to keep first things first, Jesus and his kingdom. So what are some ways that we can practically implement this discipline? What can I put into motion into my own life to practice simplicity? Here are just some suggestions. Set priorities. So personally, for our family, um, we have a certain number of evenings that we want to be home, or at least together as a family, right? We have a certain number of Saturdays every month that we say, okay, we want at least this number of Saturdays set aside for us to be together as a family. Another thing is to downsize possessions. Cut back on unnecessary spending. Make a budget and stick to it. Remove distractions. So one thing I know that a lot of people do, um, get an app that tells you how much screen time you're spending on your phone or on social media, right? It's hard to tune out the voices of the world if we keep opening the door to let them in. Use simple and honest speech. No double meanings, even the ones that spin us in a really positive light. Live by Matthew 5:37. Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Life is a lot simpler if you mean what you say. Introduce times of quiet into your daily schedule. It's okay to learn, it's okay to practice, and simplicity is a discipline that people have to work on their entire life. So don't feel like you have to get it figured out in a day or a week or a month. It won't stick that way. You're in it for the long haul. And probably the most important step is to seek God can't do this on your own. Simplicity doesn't just magically happen. You, you need the Lord's help. So seek him first. Train yourself to hear his voice louder than all of the rest. Let him guide you and lead you. It's really that simple. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for time to um, gather, whether it's in person or virtually, Lord, and just worship you and seek you. God, we ask that you would be with us. Um, help us to implement some of these spiritual disciplines in our lives so that we may live in a way that glorifies and honors you. God, be with us. Teach us and guide us as we grow. We love you so much. Amen.